Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. The only Super Bowl preview that you're going to need is right here on the GM Shuffle. We're going to break down the offense and the defense, both for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as we get set for the big game Sunday at 6.30 Eastern on CBS from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. 25,000 fans are going to be there and 30,000 cutouts. Most unusual season we've ever had will, of course, have an ending we're not used to having. But before we get to the Super Bowl, Mike, let's get to some Derek Carr news here. As you just reported yesterday in the GM Shuffle, there's lots of conversation right now involving quarterbacks. After the Stafford trade, there's going to be other dominoes, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or others. What are you hearing now about Derek Carr and Las Vegas looking to move on? As you'd written about before in The Athletic, this is a cap situation where the Raiders might have to say, you know what, see a car, let's hand over the reins to Marcus Mariota because the numbers just don't add up right now. I think what you're seeing here is a situation where the Raiders have some flexibility. They like Mariota. They have him under contract for one year. They have Carr for two more years at a reasonable number, a really reasonable number. But do they extend Carr? That's a decision they have to make. Or do they go with Mariota and take a chance with him and then feel like, okay, we can take the car money and use it somewhere else? They're going to have to get their cap somewhat in order. I mean, you know, yesterday, I think, uh, or I don't know what day it was, I just read it online today that, you know, Gruden was doing an interview with Richard Sherman and he was already implying that he wants him to play for, which is classic Gruden. Just try to collect as many old guys as you can and put them on the defense. I mean, you know, seriously, you know, their whole cap trouble is because they signed a bunch of defensive players that didn't make their defense better. So Carr gives them an out. Now, obviously, there'll be a market for Carr. How big of a market is, you know, the report's out there. I think the report you know, generally comes internally. So that's going to create an illusion of a market. Do I think cars worth more than a one and a three? Uh, no, I don't think the, I don't think that's the market. But I do think there is a market, and I think Carr knows now that he isn't. What all the things that have Gruden has said perhaps may not be true, and he may want out. And that's where it gets interesting that you say, okay, it's not always the player that has all the muscle. It's not always the team that has all the muscle. In the case of Carr, I thought he did a good job yesterday, Mike, of breaking down for Stafford. He is, uh, you know, eight to ten quarterback, or wherever you had it. Um, you know, not quite the upper echelon, but still a good quarterback. You look at a guy like Goff; he's more like sixteen to twenty. If I asked you to place uh, Carr, where would you put him? You know, I think there's times where Carr plays somewhere between the 8 and 15 of the top quarterbacks in the league. You know, he flashes sometimes a little higher, but I I think consistently there. I I think, look, Carr has done a good job. And give Gruden credit. Carr Carr has thrown the ball down the field much uh, more than he ever has before. His yards per attempt have increased under Gruden. The problem I think Gruden has with him is that he doesn't make the loose plays that he needs. He doesn't make the one play that he wants when the play breaks down. He Gruden always feels like he has to make it perfect for Carr. That's just part of how Gruden operates. And so there's frustration. And then obviously there's the 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 sense of how tough is Carr? Can he play tough? You know, but look, Gruden the general manager, because that's truly what he is. He is the general manager of the team. Uh, Mike Mayock's there, but he's the general manager. It, 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 his uh, Gruden, the general manager, always lets down Gruden, the coach. Always. Always. And I think this will be one of those situations. We'll see what happens with Carr in regards to the quarterback situation right now for the Raiders. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to dive into the offenses for both these teams, okay? Speaking of quarterbacks, Mahomes versus Brady, all the numbers you need to know. Next. 
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Okay, as always, when it comes to Super Bowl, we're going to focus on the quarterbacks. Patrick Holmes led the league in QBR against the Blitz. That's 96.8. Probably part of the reason he was blitzed just 21% of the time in the regular season, the third lowest rate. The problem for the Bucs, bringing extra pass rushes part of their defense's identity. We've talked a lot here, Mike, about Todd Bowles, what a great job he's done as their defensive coordinator. 38% of dropbacks, they like to blitz, which is the fifth most. So what does this mean? If you are Todd Bowles, you say to yourself, all right, so Mahomes doesn't get blitzed much because he's awesome against the blitz. But we like to bring pressure because that's our identity. That's our pathway to success. How do you manage this if you're Todd Bowles? Well, I think if you're Todd Bowles, you got to change how you play. You know, you got to change how you play. You've got to have to put somebody over Kelsey and jam the shit out of him. You can't let him have free access. You got to be able to punch him in the mouth. You got to do that. And then you got to put somebody over the top of Hill and have somebody on Hill as soon as he comes off the line and punch him in the mouth. You know, and so I think that that is really the way. And because of the tackle situation, because of the liability of their two offensive tackles, you know, they're going to start uh, two players, Andrew Wiley and, and Reamers. I mean, those guys are not starting NFL tackles. Reamers especially isn't a starting left tackle in the league. So they're going to have to put pressure from the outside. The two best players on the Bucks defense are Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, Devin White's a great player, but I'm talking about their defensive front. So, and then Sue powering back. So they've got to win this game with their front. I mean, that's how they have to do it. And so the way to do it is to get, you got to get Mahomes to hold the ball a little bit. And the only way you can get quarterbacks to hold the ball is to, is to jam at the line. And the way the referees have been calling the games in the playoffs, are they going to be nitpicking about you punching receivers past five yards or jamming them so much at the line? You have to take your chances in that. And you've got to be able to get the ball out of his hands quickly. If not, he's going to bring move it up and down the field on you. And that's where he can be particularly explosive, as you said, just doing whatever he wants to do at will. With regards to Tom Brady, he ranked 30th in QBR under pressure this season. Number five ranking when not under pressure. Steve Spagnuolo, again, defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. I think even a rudimentary football fan goes, oh yeah, Spags, that guy likes to blitz. He likes to bring pressure. What does Brady and Bruce Arians do? They've got a vertical passing offense. They can certainly make some big plays down the field, but what happens when the Chiefs try to bring pressure? So 
the, this game really is going to come down to, if you're the fan watching this game at home, you, you've got to pay close attention to Brady at the line of scrimmage. Brady is going to drain the play clock down as far as he can, in part to help his defense, but in a larger part to really kind of see what Steve Spagnola is up to. Steve Spagnola is very much about, he is battleship football at the highest form. He's going to take his chance, and all he's looking for on any drive is one negative play. He doesn't give a shit about yards gained, anything. He wants to create that one negative play. And when he can create a negative play, watch out. Then you're in second and 20. The drive's over. He gives the ball back to his offense, and all of a sudden, the lead gets extended. The Bucs can't play from behind in this game. So Brady has to do a really good job of working the line. So what, he's, what you're going to see at the beginning of this game is you're going to see Brady come to the line. He's going to double count it. So he's going to say, blue 90, blue 90, set, hut, hut. And he's going to get them to move. And then once he thinks he can get them to move, and when I say them, he wants to watch Sorensen and Mouthow move. Once he gets them to move, then he's going to be able to say, okay, this is what I think they're doing. And then he's going to call the play to get him into so he can detect the blitz. And then he's got to snap the ball. So there's a lot of things that are going to happen before that ball gets snapped for Brady to have execution and handle it. Now, he's going to get tricked sometimes. And there's going to be some times where they void a zone on defense and you could have a touchdown if you could get the ball away. I mean, the biggest play of the Buffalo game last week was when Singletary on the swing pass, Singletary drops that pass. That guy could have run to, to, he could have run from Kansas City to Denver on that. He would have been a touchdown. However, he couldn't because he dropped it. And you can't have long foul balls when you play against Steve Spagnuolo. The one thing, to go to your point about Spagnuolo and the epitome of uh, battleship football, you know, their numbers are not special. 20th in the NFL defensive efficiency. They were 13th last year, 21st of the last three years. But they identify what the team's biggest strength is and then take care of it. Meaning, Derrick Henry, last year's AFC Championship game, got bottled up. Fourth quarter shutout against the Niners in the Super Bowl. The Browns held to 112 rushing yards, and we all knew Chubb is an animal and a guy that needs to be stopped. They shut down Josh Allen, confused him and the Buffalo Bills. So I, I think to your point, for Brady, it's listen, his intellect is, is unsurpassed. We all know how smart he is and as far as making those adjustments. But that's why I think it's going to be fascinating to see because we all know the Chiefs take away your greatest strength on defense, which I would assume in this case is those big play receivers. Can Brady still find a way to adapt and win? I think that's a big term here, right? Adaptability adjustments as the game progresses. No doubt. And you and for the Bucs, I think they really have to play from in front. I think what, when you get down 17 nothing like they did in the last game, I think you have to play from in front. I don't think you can play this team from behind. You can't guarantee yourself to get stops against them offensively. If you can get them to punt more than two times in a game, you've really achieved a lot. It's a nine-possession game every time you play the Chiefs. So I think for that, Brady's got to do a really good job. Now, I think where Brady has to do a much better job is on second down. Byron Leftwich's second down call sheet has to be enormous. The Chiefs are 30th in the National Football League in allowing first downs on second down. So they've got to take advantage of that, the Bucs. And what happens on second down is it's not as cloudy. It's not as complicated. Spagnola's a little less inclined to do something ridiculous. So you can get them in a conventional defense. So the unconventional way to play them is to not get the third down, is to get the second down. You let the play clock go. The key to this game is, the key to the game, AD, and it's the most important part of the game, is you have to accumulate 25 first downs against the chief defense. You must. If you don't, that means you haven't controlled the ball and you haven't moved the ball. You've got to control it, and you can't settle for those 50. See, Matt Rule had an opportunity to really beat him, 
The game 17-13. Matt Rule, get, Matt Rule took the ball, scored first, wins the first half. The Chiefs get the ball to start the second half, go down, they get have to settle for a field goal, and because of that, they missed the field goal. That gave the Panthers a great opportunity. They went down, and instead of going for it on fourth and two, which I'm sure Matt probably would, would thinks it's a mistake now in hindsight, but he tries a 51-yarder. They miss it. Now, all of a sudden, the game switches. You must, when you're playing the Chiefs, you have to think of it as a tennis match. I must always hold serve. If I don't hold serve... I'm going to get behind and I can't come back. Yeah, it's almost like with the Chiefs, if they're behind, they're so explosive, you go, okay, no problem. Give me a few minutes on the clock, I'll make this happen. For the Bucs, I completely agree. They're going to have to be opportunistic, you know, ball control, hope Fournette has a good game, control the clock, and, and the whole issue of turnovers. Listen, Tampa Bay's 41 points off turnovers. That's tied for the third most by a team in a single postseason in the past 20 years. The 2010 Packers scored 48 off turnovers. So a big reason why Tampa Bay has been successful is being opportunistic. So you hope to force a turnover or two from Mahomes and get an interception, but then most importantly, score some points. I mean, 45% of the Bucks points this season have come off of turnovers. They've won their games by an average of 7.8 points. So it's two ways looking at it, Mike. On the one hand, for Tampa, hey, let's keep doing what we're doing. Let's be opportunistic, get those turnovers. But for the Chiefs, you go, hey, if we limit our mistakes, Tampa doesn't have the firepower to compete with us. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I think really you have to play the perfect game against the Chiefs. You know, this is, they're not a team. As I, as I wrote, AD, I think that when you break them down over the last 27 games, they've only lost one game. Think about that. They lost one game. I mean, and they can play right-handed. They can play left-handed. They can play any way you want to play. So I think it's really important that you understand how this game's going to go and then adapt to it. We mentioned the offensive line. The fact that Eric Fisher is out, Mitchell Schwartz is out. I mean, this could be important here as far as the Chiefs are concerned. As far as other guys, just to keep an eye on, Sammy Watkins is questionable. He said he's feeling great. He's very optimistic he'll play. He had a calf injury on the Tampa side of the football. Mike Evans is questionable. He was limited Friday at practice. Uh, Antoine Winfield, Jordan Whitehead, those guys listed as questionable. So is Antonio Brown, although Coach Bruce Arians said that Mike Monday, Brown is getting close, has been able to get some work in on the side. How important are any of those names? Uh, also, Vita Vea is questionable. Jason Pierre-Paul questionable. I mean, when I hear questionable, I feel like these guys are all still going to play. It's a Super Bowl, for God's sakes. Yeah, they're all going to play. I mean, it's like Belichick would say that. I mean, what are we saving it for? Like, there's nothing to save it for. Like, let's go. Let's get it out there. Let's go. You know, and, and let's play. And we'll see what we do. And, and, and you know, you, everybody's going to want to suit it up. I think the bigger concern is not the injuries, is making sure no one gets COVID. I think that's the biggest concern everyone has. Yeah, I, I don't want to be a doomsday guy, but I kept thinking about, like, worst-case scenarios. And God willing, this isn't going to happen, but I couldn't imagine if Saturday morning, hey, guess what? You know, Tom Brady tested positive for COVID or Mahomes. You go, oh, my God. So I, I'm with you. I think they are being as diligent as possible as far as quarantining and masks and six feet apart and like whatever, boys. Let's let's not let, like you said, something like COVID trip us up. Just for perspective, the last time these two teams played was November 29th. The Chiefs went up big early, 17 nothing lead. Tyreek Hill was great. The Bucks did come back, but Andy Reid and company did win the game 27-24. to and one other fun fact, if LaShawn McCoy is not active for the Super Bowl, the Bucs happen to win it. He'll be the first player in NFL history to win back-to-back -back Super Bowls with different teams without being active for either. I mean, I don't even know how you put that in perspective, Mike. That's like winning the lottery, but you don't get any money. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, last year, Andy took him kind of to give him that spark. 
and he never really gave him that spark. And then the Bucks took him, and I never he never gave him that spark either. I mean, Fournette's been the difference in the game, and I think that that's the guy that really is is what the who the Bucks need in this type of game is a guy that can power and break some tackles. He's going to have to have a good game, not because I think Brady's not going to throw it well, but I think he's going to have to slow the game down with his power. All right, we talked about the offense. We come back, we'll talk a little more about the defense and more about the margin of error Tampa Bay has in order to win this game. All right, we were talking about the offenses and their defenses, but just to reiterate, Mike, your point, I want to use this from the Athletic, your column. Over the past year and a half, the Chiefs have not won. They have dominated. Even in the seven wins by less than six points, the Chiefs have been in total control, only allowing their opponent a chance to keep the game close in the fourth. What is most impressive is the Chiefs can play any style and win. I just want to circle back to that point. As you were saying, for Tampa Bay, hey, they got to borrow game plans from other teams for the Chiefs. It, it really is remarkable. If they win this game, and we just think as football fans, this dynamite run they've been on, it's not unprecedented, but it's awfully special. It, it really is. I mean, and, it, and it's really, it's a kind of an interesting thing to study, right? You look at this team in awe, and, 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 what it, and what they've been able to do is they carry their team through their offense and they play complementary defense. And by that, I mean, they don't really give a shit about yards. They don't care about anything. They know even if they get behind in a game, they can come back. I mean, three minutes and 13 seconds in the New England game and having the ball in the fourth quarter, you score 24 points. I mean, you know you can come back, right? So they know what they can do. They love every single matchup across the board. There's not a matchup that they don't like. And, you know, this will be a real challenge for Todd Bowles to, to get some kind of control over it. Now, you know, he's got to get help from his offense. He can't punt in the second half you know the you and you've got to go into this game knowing field position doesn't matter if you go back to when the Patriots played the Colts and Belichick went for it on fourth down in that game you know and it was he was backed up but I think his own 25 yard line and he didn't get it people like well gee you got to punt there and move it you know and I'm the biggest believer in field position I'm the biggest believer in punts do matter. You know, I don't want to go for it on every fourth down. However, I think this is a special case against the Chiefs. I think you have to risk everything. I think you got to push all your chips in the middle of the table. I don't think field position matters. I think you've got to go for it. I think what Matt Rule would tell you today after trying that 51-yard field goal is, look, I should have gone for it on fourth and two. I like my chances on fourth and two better than I like it on a kick and a 51-yarder. You need points. The other thing I think you got to watch in this game, I don't know if this is a prop bet or not, but you got to score in every quarter. You can't have a quarter where you don't score. You've got to score in every quarter to beat them. Like you just have to, even if you have a lead on them, you have to score. And if you ever get the ball back, if you ever get the ball back and you have a lead, you've got to extend that lead. And then if one, because you know when you punt it back, when you kick it back to them, they're going to close the lead on you. So you've got to extend it again. Like, this is just a constant, constant tennis match where you have to hold serve. And as far as major players that you want to be able to be getting your serve and volleys, Tyra Matthew at free safety, Daniel Sorison at strong safety, both those guys, Spags, trust for the Chiefs. And as you mentioned earlier, those big matchups, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, they're going to try to dominate Mike Remmers and Andrew Wiley as those guys are the backup tackles. That could be really important as far as being in the trenches. You mentioned prop bets. Let's just throw out some fun facts here. The average cost of a ticket to the past five Super Bowls, $5,506. Obviously, it's going to be different. As I mentioned before, there's only going to be 25,000 fans. A lot of those fans, by the way, are going to be essential workers, healthcare workers. who are going to be a part of the action. 
First time in 37 years, Budweiser will not air an ad during the Super Bowl. So they're joining Coca-Cola, Hyundai, and Pepsi. I mentioned the 7,500 vaccinated healthcare workers. It's going to be about 30% of capacity, in case you're curious. So 14,500 fans. And how about this stat, Mike? 72% is the share of Americans who say they're unlikely to host or attend a Super Bowl party this year. Everyone's taking it seriously. We're going to be vaccinating. You can still have a Zoom. You can still text your buddies, but we'll not be as many Super Bowl parties this year. Yeah. I mean, look, that's just the world we live in, right? I mean, the Borgata that I go over and work, I'm not even going to do a halftime insert. And so, you know, it's just going to be kind of a low key because I got to be honest with you, AD, this fucking, this new strain's got me nervous. I mean, I, like I'm nervous, you know, I mean, I'm a fat ass that, that, that that's older. I, I got to be careful, you know, and, and this new strain that's coming out, everybody's got, got you worried. And I don't know. We live in Jersey. You know, God knows when we're going to get the vaccine. I mean, we might as well live on Mars, you know. I mean, we're so slow at putting it out. It's amazing how Alaska is the most productive state in giving out the vaccine with the most difficult hurdles to overcome in terms of terrain and distance. And yet, a most populated state like New Jersey, we can't quite figure it out. Like, it, it proves the point, A.D., that sometimes having money doesn't solve your problems. Thinking solves your problems. Yeah, the amount of people at the end of the year who were saying, let's just get to 2021. I'm like, well, here we are. Like to me, it feels the exact same. And to your point, I was like, okay, maybe by the summer we're good. But now with this new strain, you go, I don't know, man, this this entire year could be a wash. As you said, this vaccine ain't happening anytime soon for guys like you and me. I'm like, all right, let's just go ahead and look at 2022. We just keep pushing through, man. It is, uh, it is certainly a, a scary and uh, just a bizarre time. A couple other little nuggets for you. Sarah Thomas, 47-year-old referee going to make history. First woman official Super Bowl history. She first uh, was in the ranks in 1996. Broke the NFL's officiating barrier in 2015 as far as the gender is concerned. And Tom Moore, 82-year-old Buccaneers consultant. His Super Bowl appearance in 2021, 60 years after he began his coaching career at Iowa as a graduate assistant. I knew I knew the name. He won a pair of Super Bowls as a position coach with Chuck Knoll Steelers. Another is Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator. Soft-spoken Midwesterner once told a reporter he had no interest in retiring as it meant he would just hang around old people. 82-year-old Tom Moore, Mike. That's amazing. It's really amazing. And I mean, it proves the point. Any young coach listening to this, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter anything. It doesn't matter if you played or didn't play. What only matters is, can you make the player better? Do you have information that makes the player better? And Tom Moore does. Tom Moore has information. And so that information allows Tom Moore to have credibility. Plus, he's got skins on the wall that he's coached some great players. And he can walk in the room and say, fellas, this ain't how Manning did it. This is how we need to do it. And like you said, if you've got those stripes, you've got that authority, that means a big deal. We're going to do more on the Super Bowl tomorrow on the GM Shuffle. Any other news that will come out as well. So keep it locked here. I will tell you, I rewatched The Wait because that was the episode Uncle June was on talking Sopranos with Michael Imperioli and uh, Stephen Shrippa. And after the interview with Uncle June, Dominic Cianese, they talked about the weight. So I rewatched that episode. That's the episode where Johnny Sack is incensed because Ralphie made the joke about Ginny, his very overweight wife, having a 90-pound mole removed from her ass. This is one of the funniest sequences ever is when... You know, Johnny is demanding restitution. He's furious. He's yelling at Carmine. You know, I, I want I want to avenge him. And Carmine says, I'll make him pay. I'll get a tax on him. 200000 There'll be a stiff one. And Johnny Sachs is appalled. And he says, 200000 to insult my wife's honor? What's next? For a million, he gets to fuck her? And the look on Carmine's face, he goes, he wants to fuck Ginny? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> he goes, no, I'm making a point here. 
It was a great episode. It's so good. I love it. It's so goddamn good. You can't, you can't go. I mean, there's sometimes I'm just like in between writing something or thinking about something and I'll just go to YouTube and put a clip on and just watch it, you know, and just like trying to see and, and, and listen to it. it. It's just, it's, it's a lesson. It really is. I mean, I, I would think they would teach a class in what you can learn from watching it in terms of the character development too. I think that's the part that makes it so fascinating. That's why people go back to the wire. They go back to the, to Sopranos. They go back to great shows because the characters are so interesting. It's the whole Neil Simon thing where you are basically, if you make the characters interesting enough, the audience then becomes interested in seeing them in act three. That's the key. And I think that's the success of The Sopranos. Everyone's interesting. You can't wait till act three. Yeah, exactly. As Christopher at one point says, loose lips sink ships. You know, that one joke ends up ruining a couple people's lives. That's how dangerous life can be. And you're right. Those characters are just indelible. All right. Our act three tomorrow, third episode of the GM Shuffle. Coming up tomorrow, all that you need to know, we'll get into some betting, prop bets, and insider advice. Mike's always locked into that kind of stuff. So make sure you check out the GM Shuffle tomorrow. It'll come at you. 